As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. These women lie, and everybody believes it. If love is a fairy tale. I call all my girlfriends, oh my gosh, this guy is the one. Timothy Olsen may be the ultimate villain. Now I realize what he does is con women. For years, he's been accused of stealing from the women he meets on dating websites. I can't help it if they're wanting to do stuff for me and I accept it. Now, he's suspected of something much darker. He approached her in the parking lot with the threat of a gun, forced her into her own car, and uh, held her for a number of hours. One kidnapping, two deaths. She ended up unconscious. That's her. What did I do to her? This week on Open Record. Be very careful on who you meet, uh, especially on dating apps. In pursuit of a predator. Do you use romance to manipulate women? Come on, this is ridiculous. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson, and I'm joined this week by executive producer Sarah Smith. Hey, Sarah. Hi. And Fox 6 reporter Bill Miston. Hi, Bill. Hi there. We are recording this episode on Thursday, December 8th. As we record this podcast, 52-year-old Timothy Luther Olson sits in the Milwaukee County Jail facing charges of kidnapping, identity theft, burglary, and resisting police. He also faces identity theft charges in Racine County, and police say he's been linked to the deaths of two other women who fell unconscious in his presence, though he's not been charged in either of those deaths, at least not at this point. Bill, I know you've been following all of this over the past couple of weeks, kind of putting the pieces together. Tell us how this started how this sort of became a big public thing, because it's obviously been huge news here the last couple of weeks, and sort of how we got where we are today. Yeah, well, we first learned about Timothy Olson needing to be on the public's radar back on uh, early November, on November 9th. Uh, and that was when Racine Police put out a safety alert for this guy, who some of us had never heard of, uh, by the name of Timothy Olson, cautioning women specifically about him. Uh, and this is in, related, in relation to a, uh, something that uh, prosecutors say happened back in September, uh, that he would meet women on dating apps and steal their money. So that was, the, 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 the alert comes out November 9th. Obviously, you get police alerting women to be careful on dating websites. That's got a lot of people really concerned, but it certainly wasn't the last we heard about Timothy Olson. Fast forward, what is it, maybe another week or so, and then another sort of alert comes out. Tell us what happened there. It's kind of the same thing. So um, police had said back in November uh, when they put out that alert that uh, a woman said that she thinks she was roofied. They went out to a bar and uh, she blacked out and then she finds that money is missing from her bank account. Uh, about a week later, cops can't track him down and Racine police put out another bulletin saying that the U.S. Marshals are now involved in the search for him. And this is on November 17th. And 
that same day, we know that a woman, uh, Kim Mikulins, was at a bar in South Milwaukee. Uh, her name was Kim, but her friends called her Raina Rains, and she loved karaoke. And she was at this bar, Powers on 10th, and surveillance video from the bar shows her sitting there. Next to her is a man. He's wearing a black jacket, sunglasses, and black hat. And Racine police say that man appears to be the same Timothy Olson who they've been trying to track down. And what happens at the bar is that Mikulins, she passes out. Yeah, and, and it's it's strange because she's there she is in the presence of this guy they've been looking for. She passes out, and I don't know, if I'm with someone who I've met on a dating website or who I'm having a drink with and they pass out, maybe I'm going to summon an ambulance, maybe I'm going to do something to try to help. What does Tim Olson do at that point? Well, we know that he doesn't stick around. We know that a bartender told our Ashley Sears that um, she saw Mikulins clutching her drink in a way that made this bartender think, something was wrong. And so Mikulins passes out and she's taken to the hospital. Uh, and, you know, we know that she died days later in the ICU at a Milwaukee hospital, but we still don't know the cause of her death. That was the, the, the second sort of person, I guess, who had fallen unconscious in his presence, because we know that the first one from back in September, who they issued the bulletin about in November, um, believed she'd been roofied, said she didn't remember much of the night before. Um, so she passed out. Now there's this woman at the bar who passes out and later dies. And we've heard since then that there may in fact have been yet another person who dies in the presence of Timothy Olson. What do we know about that? We don't exactly know who that is. Um, we're still trying to figure out uh, where and when that exactly happened and who, who, who that is. Um, but we do know uh, that uh, when uh, police were looking for him up until when he was arrested, that police knew that he was a person of interest in two deaths. And that was what police were, the information that police were armed with when they were looking for him and they ended up spotting him. But that doesn't happen for some time. So, you know, these cases are kind of rolling together and research is being done and we were getting releases from police and and Brian you sent out an email and kind of said hey you know this name either sounded familiar I did a little digging and this isn't the first time Timothy Olson has been kind of the the, the focus of investigations no this name certainly rings a very strong bell with the Fox 6 investigative team uh, back in 2012 so 10 years ago uh, we had done a, an in-depth investigation of a guy on dating websites who was preying on women. And uh, we had actually had a number of different women independently reach out to Fox 6 saying, hey, this guy's preying on women on dating websites. But it was a little bit different back then in 2012. And we interviewed three of the women who, who said he had victimized them. At the time, he was meeting these women and then investing a couple of months or more into a relationship. He would lie about his last name, say he was, say, Tim Jensen or, or Tim somebody else, even though his real name is, is Tim Olson. And, and part of why he would do that is because he had a long criminal record. And if they knew his name was Timothy Olson, they'd look him up in what in Wisconsin we call CCAP, um, the, the cir online circuit court automation program. And they would see that he had this criminal record. So he would give a false last name. But of course, it's easier to keep up a lie when you're using the correct first name so you don't trip up, right? So he would say he's Tim Jensen or, or Tim something else. 
And these women said that after investing a couple of months into this relationship and making them believe he was the man of their dreams, he he liked to cook, he liked to stay at home, he didn't want to go to the bars, he didn't, you know, didn't like the bar scene. They would fall for him and then he would find an opportunity to ask for money. Um, hey, give me all that money you have from that, you know, car crash you had the insurance check and I'm going to get you a great deal on a car. We know that Tim Olson actually has um, relatives who uh, worked at a, a car dealership. So he had some connections. He says, hey, I'll work that. I'll get you a great deal. And then he disappears with the money. Um, and, and he had another another woman in Illinois who he had actually uh, stolen her medication, some very high priced and valuable human growth, growth hormone. This is different. Now, so we, we've done the story back in 2012. He actually went to jail in Illinois. He was convicted of theft, stealing that human growth hormone. And then we wondered, you know, and I think I said at the end of that story, guys, I, I, the, the closing line was, if, if history is a guide, he won't be in jail for long. And I wondered if we wouldn't hear about him again. You sort of hope that maybe the publicity would mean he would have to at least go prey on women somewhere else. Um, here we are 10 years later and the name pops back up and you think, oh, no. Tim Olson's at it again. Like this time, the way he seems to be going about things has changed. So there's, you know, that investigation. And now, you know, we've got these couple of cases, these public warnings from police. Um, then we kind of fast forward a week or two and we're coming up on Thanksgiving. So what kind of, you know, notification did we get from Franklin police about what happened right before Thanksgiving? Well, what we do know is that Kim Mikulins, she died on November um, 22nd, and that the day after her death, Franklin police said that Olson was at it again. He's at a bar, Casa de Giorgio, which is uh, in Franklin, and he meets a 79-year-old woman who's sitting at the bar. And the woman told police she was there for about a half hour, and this guy sits down next to her and introduces himself as Mario. I mean, Brian, you had said that using different names. Mario is one of the names that uh, this woman says he used at the time. They make small talk and she leaves. But police say that Olson follows her out into the parking lot, threatens her with a gun, forces her into her car, and holds her for about 16 hours in total, driving all around the metro of Milwaukee saying he needed to buy alcohol, asking her for a pin for her debit card, which she doesn't have, uh, wanted to go to a bank, but this is now Thanksgiving morning, so the banks are closed, and eventually, she says, Olson parked her car near a flower shop in Greenfield, and he leaves, and the woman's still inside, so she crawls out of the car and flags someone down for help. And so police then learn that Olson made a bunch of calls with her phone, which were deleted, but he also searched the internet for terms like his mother's name and um, uh, inmate searches, and that there were five purchases with the woman's credit card at four gas stations and a pharmacy from Oak Creek, Milwaukee, and Greendale. But at this point, he's still on the run. It's interesting you say that he was searching his mother's name and inmate searches. Do we have any idea why? Because, and we're going to talk about this, you guys know that he called me from the Milwaukee County Jail and he wanted to talk about a lot of this. And one, and we'll get into more of that, but one of the things he talked about was his concern that police were going to arrest his mom. Why would he be concerned police were going to arrest his mom? Maybe what connection do you think that had to all of this? 
Well, if he's on the run, he's probably having to stay somewhere. He's probably having to get help from someone. Uh, and oftentimes police are looking, when they're looking for someone, they're looking for people who are closest to the person that they're looking for. And oftentimes that is close family, parents, brothers, sisters, or close friends or siblings. So presumably police were looking at his mom and in saying that he, he, he might be or she might be the one that's helping him elude police because they've been looking for him for some time. And they end up finding him. Bill, th- this is maybe even one of the more remarkable things in all of this. How did they end up catching Tim Olson? Well, cops were alerted to this. Cop- police are you know made aware of people that they need to be on the lookout for. And so uh, eagle-eyed cop in Franklin sees a guy pushing a bicycle near 35th and Rawson, and it's Olson. And so police say Olson then runs into an apartment complex. Police chase after him, and they had to they catch up to him, and they had to tase him, though, to get him into custody. And then they come to find out that there were some burglaries in the area around that time, and that Olson, uh, the bike that Olson was seen pushing, was stolen from a guy's garage. So that is on November 29th, and then just this past weekend, Milwaukee County prosecutors charged Olson with kidnapping that 70, uh, 79-year-old woman, stealing her money, and two counts of burglary and resisting police. And he's being held on a $100,000 bond, but so far no other charges have been filed in some of the other investigations that we know that are going on. There are so many jurisdictions involved in this. Does that complicate all of this, I mean, it seems like you've got to have a lot of cooperation among uh, a, a number of law enforcement agencies as they gather what must be mountains of evidence here. Well, they're, they're no doubt talking with each other, and, and you're wanting to develop a case and bring charges that can be proven in court. And so, no doubt, prosecutors and investigators in Racine County are taking their time as they're trying to piece together um, cases against Olson, but from what they were able to put together for at least the charges here in Milwaukee County, um, you know, those were a little bit uh, fresher. And obviously you have, you know, you arrested him. And uh, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, I believe he ended up talking to investigators. Well, and you, you have, in that case, you have a living victim, right? The kidnapping victim is still alive. So she was able to tell her story in these other cases, you have women who have died. They can't talk. They can't say what was discussed or what might have happened. I imagine there they're looking for physical evidence, potentially maybe something in their system that might link things back to, to, to Olson. Obviously, there's a lot still. I guess that's the point here. There's still a lot going on with an ongoing investigation into these deaths. The thing that I, you know, I don't know, will always shock me is is when like an email comes through like it did what last week or the week prior brian that i got a call today from jail and it was timothy olson so he calls you and what happens yeah what's interesting is we get a lot of calls from jail uh from time to time people who want to tell their story they want to complain about jail conditions or maybe you know how they've been treated what the food's like whatever it might be In this case, I actually first got a phone call from another inmate in the Milwaukee County Jail who's been there for some time, uh, pre-trial in a homicide case, uh, but someone who has reached out before with complaints about jail conditions. And um, and he reached out and said, I've got a new cellmate. 
this guy who's who's in with me now, I think you're going to want to talk to him. You've done a story on him before. His name is – or actually, he didn't know I'd done the story per se. His name is Timothy Olson, and I immediately knew, okay, this is the – you know, the, the the dating app predator that everybody's talking about um, who was arrested in Franklin. And, and I told the person I was on the phone with, I said, if he wants to talk to me, that's fine. But you ought to let him know up front. Ten years ago, I did a story about him, about him being a, a predator on dating websites. And so I just want him to know who he's talking to because – you know, I, I, if he thought I was going to be a, a friendly reporter who was going to help him spin his case, I wanted him to know that's not who I am. And he called anyway. Next thing you know, I mean, within minutes, I have a call from uh, a number I recognize to be the number that you see pop up when people are calling from the Milwaukee County Jail. And I, I answered it. And sure enough, it was Tim Olson. And oddly enough, he's calling me. And the first question he asks me is, who's this? And I, I explained, I'm Brian Polson at Fox 6. You called me. I'm a reporter. What do you want to talk about? And he spent a lot of that time trying to spin everything that had happened. He, he talks about all of these women being liars, that the media just wants to take them at their word. He said, we all think there's Snow White. Um, and he sort of took the facts of the cases as he knew them, or at least as he believed police knew them, and tried to put his own spin on them and said, why don't you investigate this part of it. And, and among the things he tried to get me to, in his words, investigate, uh, were the 79-year-old woman in Franklin who he's accused of kidnapping. He claims that they have a relationship that goes back many months, that they've been out to the bars and restaurants many times, that he even has a birthday card she gave him back in April of this past year. Um, and he wanted me to find that. He claimed that she had created a, a, a special Google phone number um, to communicate with him and that if they checked the records of that Google number, they would see that she was saying all sorts of things about how she didn't want people to know that they were dating or didn't want people to know that she was helping him hide out and that sort of thing. Now, we know that he had her phone for a considerable period of time. Um, I'm, I'm not I wasn't born yesterday. Um, there's a very good chance, based on what he's saying, I would suspect that Tim Olson created these accounts to try to cover his tracks. Um, what I do know is he gave me the name of the victim, but he gave me the wrong name. He had the first and middle names right, and I'm not going to say who they are because police haven't identified the victim. They've only identify, identified her by her initials. Um, the last initial doesn't match the name he gave me. I was able to do some further investigation on my own to identify the victim correctly, and so he had that part wrong. If you were with someone that long, you probably would know their last name, uh, the proper name. The point in all of this is he was trying to spin her as someone who was embarrassed about their relationship, someone who didn't want her own son to know they were dating. Um, but what police are saying is, no, they met that day. He introduced himself with the wrong name. As you said, Bill, he said his name was Mario. And that then when she came into the parking lot after refusing uh, to let him buy her a drink, he then tells her he has a gun. It's not clear that he ever displayed one, by the way. He tells her he has a gun and has her get into a vehicle. Obviously, if she's frightened, she's not going to challenge him and say, hey, show me the gun. She's terrified. Um, when I interviewed him on the phone, one of the things he said was, there's no gun. I've never owned a gun. Come on. He didn't address whether or not he had threatened her with a gun that he claimed to have. So it was a bizarre conversation, but I think one thing I want to make clear, we put his words on the air for one purpose, and that is, well, maybe a couple of purposes. One is to show 
the lengths he would go to try to spin obvious things. This is a guy who just thinks he can convince everyone. He, he thinks he can talk his way out of anything. And um, he doesn't like to be challenged. There were some questions he didn't like to answer. The other reason I thought it was important for people to hear him was there. I've had a number of women reach out and say, hey, I think I might have met him on a dating website, but I'm not sure if this was the guy. And they would send me a picture or send me a thing. Do you think this is him? And I think hearing his voice, he has a very distinctive speaking pattern, a very distinctive style of speech. And I think if you hear that, you would know or maybe if. Heaven forbid he gets out of jail at some point and he's back on dating websites. I want there to be a reference point for women to say, wait a minute, that's the guy. Um, so, so the, But we certainly didn't put him on the air because we think what he has to say necessarily has merit. With his track record, um, I, I think uh, there, there's great reason to doubt the things he says. You talked about some of the things that he you know, refused to answer in your conversation. What were some of those things that he just didn't want to talk about or blew right past the question. Well, I mean, one of the big things was simply, you know, I, I wanted to be direct. I asked him, do you manipulate women um, to get things out of them? Do you use romance as a weapon? Um, and he, what was interesting is the easy answer for that should be absolutely not. Of course I don't. He never answered those questions. He would laugh and say, oh, I'm not even going to address that. And I think that's telling. I think if I were to ask you, Bill, if I were to say, Bill, do you use romance to manipulate women and steal things from them? Or are you are you someone who's dangerous to women? It's a pretty easy answer, right? You would say no. You'd say no. He didn't say no. Um, but, he, you know, he, he seemed uncomfortable with the questions, I think. And I think that's, again, part of why I wanted people to hear those things. It's the manner in which he responds to questions that I think was very, very telling. So he calls you from jail. You know, these cases are, you know, all these investigations from different jurisdictions. Bill, what is next for Timothy Olson? What's next? You know, what are we waiting for in the investigation? Well, we're waiting to see when charges are expected to be filed in some of these other cases. Um, we know that investigators obviously have been on him and are aware of other cases that maybe the public is not aware that we are not aware of. And so there's more most likely coming in the pipeline uh, as far as uh, charges in, in specifically at least Racine County. Uh, but who knows how far some of this may have gone. We know that he has a history in Northern Illinois and Lake County and Kane County, Illinois, some of the places where he was sentenced to prison for cases. One of them is the one that Brian brought up. Uh, he spent some time in the Illinois Department of Corrections, therefore some burglary and theft cases. So not dissimilar from what he has already been accused of doing, at least just right here in Milwaukee County. You know, one thing I didn't ask you about, Bill, and I think I, I do want to address, because I don't know if we know the answer, but you know, 10 years ago, I'm doing this story and we called him the ripoff Romeo. What he was doing at the time was he was taking advantage of women he met online. He was stealing their money. This 10 years later is a pretty severe escalation when we're talking about kidnapping and being linked to a couple of deaths, though he's not been charged in connection. Certainly police are interested in his connection to those deaths. That's a major escalation. Do we have any idea what's happened between 2012 and now? What's been going on over the last 10 years with Tim Olson? Well, what we do know is that uh, he has been in custody in some way, shape, or form a couple times after 2012. We know that he was in custody um, 
uh, for his uh, sentence in a Kane County um, uh, a Kane County theft case and was released on parole in March of 2013. Uh, we also know that they're uh, just this past August, but I mean, it's pretty silent. Uh, I mean, we still trying to track down some instances of where we know that at least uh, police or prosecutors say that he was in custody for a period back in 2017 for a short period. Uh, and then also uh, prosecutors in Racine County charged him in August of this year with possession of drug paraphernalia, a criminal misdemeanor case. Uh, but it really wasn't until just a couple days after those charges were filed that uh, this woman came forward and said that she believed that she had been drugged and uh, that this guy that she had met, uh, Tim Wilson, who, uh, and that's kind of where we all started with this. Sarah, I want to, before we wrap this up, I want to ask you this because I know you're married, you haven't been in the dating game for a long time, but as a woman, just imagining, empathizing with women on dating websites, I know that back in the days when I was doing online dating, um, it was, I, I never really feared for my safety, but many of the people I would meet told me horror stories. And it's like, you know, the, the, the pitfalls of online dating. I think, I think online dating is wonderful. This is not to malign the process, but what's it like for, especially for a woman when you hear, this guy sounds like the nightmare scenario. I, I mean, just thinking about, I have my head on a swivel walking into the grocery store after dark, walking out from the gym, you know, these seemingly harmless places, you know, but being, you know, going by myself to just general places is sometimes unnerving. Um, it doesn't matter what part of the city, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, and so for these women who are going, you know, I just think about, you know, dating life where you, you, you match with someone and so you want it to work. And so you're kind of in a different mindset and you're meeting them maybe for the first time and maybe your guards down a little bit because you want to welcome their personality, you know, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a scary thing and it's even scarier when maybe, you know, these men are, have different intentions than spending time with someone. It seems Tim Olson is the kind of guy who uh, is the reason that, as Chief Oliva said at the end of his press conference about the kidnapping, the Franklin police chief said they just encourage women to be vigilant, to be careful uh, with who you meet on dating apps. And that is a good time for us to go off the record. This is the part of the podcast where we get a little more casual and have a little fun by answering a question for which we have not prepared. And of course, here to ask us that question is Open Records executive producer, Sarah Smith. Okay, so today I have I have one question I just wanted to get your opinion on. And the second one is just a question that I've brought up before on Open Record, or off the record, I should say. Um, but it got brought up again in the newsroom yesterday and caused a lot of conversation. So, part one. I saw, uh, I don't know if it was on TikTok or Instagram or somewhere recently that a former Starbucks employee kind of came out and said, hey, I'm going to speak for all the Starbucks employees. We hate the pay it forward plan. So if you don't know what that is, you know, you get in, you're in the drive through line, you pull up to the window and someone says, oh, the person in front of you paid for your order. Do you want to continue the, 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 the pay it forward? 
So then you're suddenly like, oh, they tell you the total of the person behind you and you can either choose to pay for their order or, or stop the stop the train. Um, and so the woman was saying how it, it causes confusion because the orders sometimes get mixed up because who paid for what and, and who ordered what. So the question then becomes, how do you, how do you feel as a consumer about the pay it forward? Do you feel like you're pressured to continue the train? Are you a jerk if you go, no, I'm not paying for the guy behind me, but hey, thanks, Johnny, in front of me for paying for my $12 order. Bill, I have my thoughts, but do you want to you wanna start? Well, I'm probably going to make some people upset, but I, I really <laughs> don't necessarily care for Starbucks. So I, I... Well, that's, <laughs> that, okay, that's, that's the off-the-board off answer. We didn't even know it was going to go there. <laughs> The process. We'll say, aside from the company, the process. Well, no, of no, it. I, not not the. I'm just saying, I don't, I don't generally patronize Starbucks because I don't care for their coffee. I drink a lot of coffee, and I don't drink a whole lot of Starbucks. That's fair. Um, that said, I mean, I've never, if I have been at Starbucks, I've never been uh, the uh, recipient of such graciousness and and. Uh, uh, gratitude, uh, and I probably would not carry it on if I were. I will tell you, sorry, Brian, before you go, let me just tell you that, so my mom got me a Starbucks gift card, and so last week I thought, you know what, I'll go, I'll run in there before work. So I go through the drive-thru, I get to the window, I have my phone out ready to scan, and the, the guy says, oh, the car in front of you paid. Oh my gosh, that's so wonderful. My order was like 10 bucks, let's just say. He goes, do you want to keep it going? The car behind you's order was $21. Now, I, I immediately was, I panicked. I was like, I can't say no because then I look like a jerk. It's the holiday season. I have to say yes. So I paid for the person behind me. Now, the kindness of my heart <laughs> felt fine. But also I was like, wait a second. That was an extra $10 I wasn't intending to spend. That's what I kind of felt like. And then when this article came out, I kind of chuckled. I'm like, oh, okay. Anyway, Brian. Well, no. So my, my first of all, I don't go in the Starbucks drive-through very often. I'm not going to say I don't go to Starbucks once in a while. But here's my first thought on this: is what is this trying to accomplish other than to make yourself feel good as the person who started the chain? I'm so good. I paid for the person behind me. If you want to do that, that's great. I don't understand why it needs to be sort of paid forward by the next person because all you've done is all you've done now is pile an obligation on someone else rather than just being kind. So the pay it forward part, I think, doesn't make a lot of sense. The secondary thing I think of is the people, if you really want to help people who need help during the holiday season or any other time of year, I don't think you're going to find the neediest of all people in the Starbucks drive through Well, and that was the point of this former employee was like, hey, instead of paying for, you know, the guy behind me, how about you just up your tip to these people who are making your drinks. Now, the, and, so. and I get coming from the person who works there, that seems a bit self-serving, well, right? Course, well, hey, just course. up my tip. But I can also imagine that if you're working and now, in addition to the fact that you're trying to hurry up and get a lot of complicated orders with double half calves and three spurts of whatever, correct, now you've got to, you know, pay attention to whose order was paid for what you've just complicated the worker's job. And again, the greatest thing you're doing is I don't feel like you're helping needy people behind you. What you're doing is making yourself feel better that, oh, I did a really kind thing for someone. My thought is take that five bucks or 10 bucks for the Frappuccino and give it to someone who truly needs it. Donate to it to a program that that educates children or, or, or employs people who read to children who need reading help. I don't know. I know that sounds preachy, but to me, it just... If so, your question though was if I was in the line, 
And the person in front of me paid for my, and I just get plain coffee. It's boring. They paid three bucks or four bucks for my plain coffee, my tall, whatever, uh, pike place. Um, I'm probably not going, I'm going to say thank you. That was very kind. Maybe I'll do something nice for someone else that day. I'll open some doors for, for old ladies, but I am not going to pay it forward to the car behind me. And then the poor sap behind you is left none the wiser. <laughs> but the poor sap doesn't know. That right, the Brian poor, has sap, ended the poor train. sap behind me is paying exactly oh. what they planned to pay all along. Correct, correct. So I am on your, I am on your side, Brian. I will not, I will not be going forward carrying on the train. The train stops. Here. You know what's going to happen? Okay. The news is going to get around that the boy, those people <laughs> on open record are really unfeeling, uncaring people. Brian, at Starbucks. Um, okay, and then real quick, um, Bill, perfect thermostat temperature in your house. Uh, anywhere between 66 and 68 degrees. Daytime and nighttime? Same time? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. You, you set different temperatures depending on the time of day. I'm not that sophisticated. Yes. It's one temperature <laughs> at all times. I don't... Programming a thermostat to me is like programming a VCR back in the old days. I just... I don't want to touch just it. Just well forever. Um, yeah, that's f- fine. You know, it's interesting because I grew up in a household where um, I, I feel like, well, my mom... And I, we know moms listens. Uh, I think she liked it at about 72, which so I was used to a toasty house. My grandmother, she would keep her house at like 74, 75. It was like a sauna. Why? Um, I, then, then listen to this. Then I get married and I, I'm married for the second time now. But in my first marriage, my, my, my now ex-wife would keep the house at like 59 because <laughs> put on a blanket, put on more clothes. You don't know. We're saving money here. Times I, are tough. I'm in between all of that. I like to keep the house at probably around 69 degrees. Um, you know, depending on, we have an old house, it's a big house. So sometimes if you're 69, one room is great, another room is absolutely icy chilly. So I might bump it up to 70, 71, just so that those rooms get a little bit warmer and I deal with the heat in the others. But 72, for me, that's too warm. Um, I, I, I prefer to bundle up than to have to just like, you know, remove everything and turn on fans in the winter same all right well that was good i you know i sarah i thought you were going to when you started the starbucks one i thought what you were going to go to and maybe this is a question for another day you're going to go to how do you feel about the auto tip options every time you pay for something no matter what kind of service it's not even a service industry you're just buying something retail and suddenly you're being asked to tip 25 percent how do you feel about it that's a topic for another day i think i've hinted at where i might feel i've got things and thoughts about that too. we'll bring it back for that one bill (laughs) Uh, if you have a topic you would like us to discuss on Open Record or an issue you think we should investigate for Fox 6 News, send us an email to fox6investigators at fox.com. As always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. First of all, Bill, thank you so much for being on the show. Sarah, as always, thank you to you. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda. Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. With that, I'm Brian Polson. We'll be back next week. Next week.